Beyond the, he- Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with Li Tianwei. After the China-U.S. summit in San Francisco, I've been doing a series of interviews on the U.S.-China relations and its prospect. Today, let's talk to Ambassador Cui Tiankai, the former Chinese ambassador to the United States. Our conversation not only touched on the current status of U.S.-China relations, but also the styles of China's diplomacy. Take a listen. You mentioned about an analogy as to what kind of role a diplomat should play, how skillful and flexible and principled that they should be. Yeah. You used the metaphor of the monkey king. I really wonder why out of so many Chinese fairy tales, you know, legends, why the monkey king? Maybe no image is 100% perfect. Image is an image, kind of a metaphor. Uh, but you have to use something people are familiar with and people like. Of course, another possible option is panda. <laughs> but you see, this monkey king from the journey to the west, he was beating so many devils, overcoming so many difficulties. So it's very much like uh, uh, the journey to the west is, was never easy. So I think this is closer to what we are doing now. We have our goal, but the journey could never be very easy. Are you saying the diplomat's job is to beat the devils? When I say devils, it does not necessarily mean persons or people. Wrong narrative, misleading thinking, all these things. At a time when the world is changing so fast, how clear-minded and skillful do you think Chinese diplomats are today? And what can still be done? China has a consistent principle in foreign policy, independent foreign policy of peace. So this is the task all Chinese diplomats have to carry out. Well, first of all, we cherish very much our own independence. That's what we learned from past history. We have to defend and safeguard our own independence. But we are here in this world not for, for war, not for uh, rivalry uh, with other countries, certainly not for global hegemony. We are here for global peace. Hmm. China, US, how does that fit into the overall picture, what you described as China's basic principle and also China's potential as an important player to build peace. Of course, we are very important countries. We are the largest, the two largest economies in the world. We are permanent members of the UN Security Council. But at the same time, China and the United States are just two of over 200 countries in the world. Mm. So we are part of the international community, part of the uh, community of countries for a common future. Perhaps we have greater responsibilities than some of the others, but still we have to work with all the rest of the world. The summit in California, is it one step forward or several step forward? 
from further deterioration of the relationship between the two? I think it's a very clear and important step forward. What needs to be followed up immediately in order to make sure it is important step forward? It's very simple, it's implementation. Well, there are important agreements reached between the two presidents at San Francisco. So, you just do it. Are we seeing sound implementations from both sides? Is it satisfactory to you? Good things may never be easy. This is true in life, this is true in, in the world. Mm. So, it's quite clear the two presidents want a stable and mutually beneficial relationship. Then we should do everything possible to make it happen. Among all the possibilities, which do you think should be on your bucket list? Well, I certainly can think about quite a few. For instance, on the question of Taiwan, I think the United States will have to show to us and to the rest of the world that it is still committed to one-China policy. Has it shown enough? What is the shown to you? I think it's an ongoing process. But they have to prove their commitment whenever specific issues come up. You've been through several presidents when you were serving as ambassador to the United States. In fact, you served the longest term a Chinese ambassador to the United States in history. You also witnessed, Mr. Ambassador, the evolution, or shall I say, dramatic changes of attitude, both coming from the public and also from particularly the government in the U.S. toward China. How have you been digesting it as you observe things are still evolving? The most important problem or challenges they have in the United States are domestic ones, which actually have nothing to do with China. So whether they can really handle this problem, it's up to the Americans themselves. Mr. Ambassador, about rhetorics, this has been a core issue you touched on recently in interviews and also in your latest speech. Do you see there is a lack of understanding of where the public understanding is of the other side from both sides? Well, I, I don't think that we can say everything is the same for both sides. It, it's different. But there is certainly too much misinformation or disinformation about China in the United States. So it's not a, just a matter of rhetoric. I think it's a, a matter of narrative. What have been the most problematic narratives, the kinds of narratives that you have seen? Is there anything that we can do from our parts of the world and our audience that can help us to solve this problem? We can certainly do more and even better to help people in other countries, not only in the United States, but also in other countries, to have a good understanding of China's intention in the world, the goals of our foreign policy, and the aspiration of the Chinese people. We should really do more. We should certainly do more and do better in this regard. But 
they also have to be more open. I mean, the listeners. If we are telling them the China story, hopefully the listeners would, would really listen, would have a, an open mind. So you cannot tell a good story to anyone who refuses to listen. What are the skills to be able to be a good listener? There are many skills we have to learn, but uh, first, first thing we have to do is to try help them to, what we say, seek truth from facts. Mm. The facts matter. You, know, you see, what is happening in China, what has been happening in China over the decades, is just great. It's so good for the Chinese people. So we just tell them the true story. Let them understand the realities in China and the aspiration of the Chinese people. Just tell them the truth. It's a mixture of what is going on right now, which is the truth. I don't think many people, in, especially uh, the, the, the politicians and others, even some of the so-called China scholars, really have a good understanding of Chinese history, Chinese culture, and the realities today in China. So we should help them. Some have been mentioning about long-term prospects when they are looking at China. Others have been uh, trying to uh, illustrate the importance to check on facts, for example, numbers. And others have also been indicating there were wrong analogies uh, sometimes being used, even sometimes out of good reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so out of all of these, uh, do you see a role um, that we can play to help them? We could invite them to come to China, have a look for themselves. Mm. If they do have an open mind, yeah. they will learn. Yeah. Mr. Zheng Bijian, who is the founder of this uh, uh, Understanding China conference, uh, uh, has been talking about three things, understanding China, understanding an evolving world yeah. and understanding this uh, millennial changes, as uh, many Chinese would say. So how, how is this, what is the relationship among these three things and probably even more? Uh, we see that after the pandemic, it's not just about uh, calling on the rest of the world to understand China, but also the importance of Chinese to understand an evolving world, which is changing very fast, and also to pin down the real essence of the real changes. So how do you see the relationship among these two? I think, first of all, understanding is a mutual process. You cannot expect others to have a good understanding of yourself without you understanding others very well. It's a mutual process. Number two is an ongoing process, because the world is always changing. You cannot say, well, today I have a good understanding, then I can do nothing tomorrow. You should continue to learn, continue to explore, continue to try to understand. John Thornton, uh, who you worked with on yeah. different important projects, he talked about ability, curiosity, empathy, understanding, uh, in order to create better understanding uh, from both sides. 
Do you see he has mentioned some of the important factors? Uh, do you as a citizen diplomat uh, have your own list of priorities? Well, I think he was certainly right to raise these points. But of course, as I said earlier, people have to have an open mind and maybe a sense of justice. Mm. No double standards. The world is changing fast, taking all our lives with it. But we can change it too, by seeking answers to problems through discussions and debates. On World Insight, I ask direct questions to real people in the know, seek genuine answers, but respect diverse perspectives. Our live global debates tackle the most critical issues head on. World Insight with Tian Wei. Go beyond the headlines. From north to south, east to west, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. Dr. Henry Kissinger passed away recently. Yeah. You visited him eight to nine times, if I remember right, yeah. when you were ambassador to the United States, not to mention many of the earlier and latter interactions you had with him. So what are the most important qualities that you see from him and his generation? You see, from my Nante also meetings with him, I got a very deep impression that he is uh, maybe one of the quite a few Americans who really have a good understanding of Chinese history, Chinese culture, and who are ready to show respect, who are ready to appreciate and listen to us. Of course, as Dr. Kissinger always told me that he, has, he, he was an American, he was there working for American national interests, but he also understood that what will, serve, what will best serve American national interests, that is good relation with China, stable and mutual understanding, and peaceful coexistence, or in his words, co-evolution. Mm. Do you think that's an important idea, co-evolution? I think it's quite unique for him to, to understand that and to propose that. Of course, in our language, peaceful coexistence and mutual respect. Mm. You see, that's very similar. Well, at least you could have a meeting of minds in which direction the relations should be going. About U.S.-China relations, what do you see are some of the most important decisions being made at most critical times between China and the United States, even today in retrospect, that is inspiring for you as a seasoned diplomat? 
Well, if we look at China, if we look at China-U.S. relations over the decades, there are certainly very important agreements between the two countries. For instance, the three joint communiques, right. which lay down all the principles for this relationship, which form the foundation of the relationship, and of, of which I think one China principle it maybe is the most important principle. Dr. Kissinger, in his latest book, discussed a lot about AI and yeah. the new technologies, what they might mean for the bilateral relations and the common responsibilities China and US have for the rest of the world in that regard. Now, on that issue, where do you think the two countries are at this moment? What should happen in order to make sure we are not going in the wrong direction? Well, Dr. Kissinger in his last few years did spend a lot of time and efforts on that particular issue. He was very concerned about possible implications of AI for human society, not only in foreign policy, but also in many other aspects mm. of the human society. And I think he has got good reasons. It's quite clear that big countries, major economies like China and United States should really cooperate with each other in handling this new technology and make sure it will bring benefits not only to the two countries but to the global community as a whole mm. and people will benefit from it and the human society will function even better not to be disrupted so fundamentally the two countries have decided whether we are going to be partners in this regard as in other aspects. Mm. How much do you think this generation of uh, leaders from both sides and others can learn from Dr. Henry Kissinger and his generation? Well, I think what Dr. Kissinger achieved in theory and in practice, and especially in relations between China and the United States, mm would offer very good lessons for all generations, not this generation, but for the future generations to learn. Mm. Like? Well, he, the doctor always advocated a stable relationship, a more balanced relationship. Mm. You like his charm as well, just like many others. Uh, his humor too, his quick mind. Uh, is there some anecdotes you would like to share with us? Well, he always had a very sharp mind, even in his last days. So it's kind of a miracle that he lives that long and still has <laughs> such sharp mind. But I think what is more important is that he was always ready to learn more and appreciate other people's positions or history or culture and he would uh, appreciate and try to help the U.S. policies to be based on good, understa good understanding of other countries. We have seen leadership diplomacy uh, between China and the United States over the years. Now we also see different layers of uh, institutional uh, 
synergy, shall we say, with the establishment of uh, uh, dialogues and uh, exchanges among different uh, ministries between the two sides. Mm -hmm. Some ask, what is even more? What is more important? Which is even more important? Whether it's the leadership uh, uh, level or the institutional uh, level or the people to people, what should be the pillar and will be the pillar? I think maybe these things have somehow different roles to play, but it's always extremely important for good communication and coordination at the top level because interaction and dialogue at that at the top level gives us the strategic guidance for everything else of course we can also say people to people exchanges would consolidate would strengthen would broaden the foundation of the relation in the long run that's also true Mm -hmm. You are one of the most outspoken and seasoned uh, diplomats from China uh, to talk to both Chinese and also the American press. Is there something that you would like to share with colleagues in the media? As many have been pinpointing the qualities of media, particularly in uh, surpassing the information and also uh, uh, opinions have been under quality. Uh, is there something that you would like to share with media from both sides? Again, I don't think the media in, two in the two countries are in the same situation. Of course, there are similarities, but uh, they are still different. I hope they will become identical. They will not become just the same. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the Chinese media will have one thing maybe American media, American media does not have. We have the long-standing Chinese culture. Learn more about our own culture. There is concern about U.S. companies uh, leaving China. But there is also reporting about U.S. companies uh, staying here in China, producing in China, manufacturing in China, mm -hmm. and to the rest of the world, exporting. So how do you understand this mixed picture, at least in the media coverage? Normally, companies come and go all the time. And if it's their business decision, where well, we can respect them, they're always welcome to come. But if they decide to go, because of business considerations, it's really up to them. But today, the real problem, the real danger is that so many economic and trade issues have been politicized. And there's a proliferation in the United States about so-called national security uh, risks or considerations or concerns. That's a real threat to normal trade between the two countries. Mm. Will that pendulum sway back to a certain extent? What does it take to do that? Again, people have to have a good understanding that the trade is mutually beneficial. Mm. And they should have a clearly defined definition of what national security really means mm. and really requires.
Earlier in California, in San Francisco, Chinese President Xi Jinping had a dinner with uh, friends of China, including the business community. Yeah. And he delivered an important speech. Among all the words he said, what do you think are the most important messages that the American business community should get? Well, it's quite clear. China is still firmly committed to developing a good relationship to be a partner and a friend of the United States. I think that that's a key message. Mm. Ambassador Tui, once again, thank you so much. That's my latest conversation with Ambassador Tsui Tiankai, the former Chinese ambassador to the United States. With that, we're coming to the end of today's program. Bye for now.